praise this morning. Good. God is good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team. Wonderful. I'm going to ask you to, if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Exodus. I'm going to read a few verses there in Exodus chapter 3. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. I'll begin in verse 7. And welcome to 2020. Amen. Brand new year. New, new promises from God. Uh, a new start. You know, it's like a reset. A, a new year is like God pushing the reset button, you know, that this year we can do things that we were not able to do or continue the things we were not able to finish. Uh, just like the morning. The morning is a time of just like a fresh new day ahead of you. Uh, that's what the year is like, a fresh new year to accomplish what God has for us. This is what it says in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Father God, I pray this morning that you would use me to speak these words, Lord God. In spite of me, I pray that your word would go forth into the hearts of your people, that you would bring clarity and understanding as to what these words mean. And Father, that you would somehow align what you're doing in our church this year Father, that you would align this message to, to your desire and your purpose for us as we enter into a new year, Father God, a, a new year of hope and, and promise. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. 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 So this year, uh, our goal is to challenge you to finish the work God has given you to do. To finish the work. That's our theme. That's our focus for the year, for us to finish the work. You have, whether you know it or not, you have kingdom significance. You are significant. You matter in, in ways that we may not even realize at this moment. Uh, but you have a purpose much bigger than yourself. And, and we need to find out what that is. You know, very few people ever realize their calling. They'll go through life not realizing what it is God has called them to or how God has gifted them. Uh, but, but we want to pursue that this year. That, that's our focus this year. Our goal is for us to finish what God started in us, to recognize, to realize what that is, and to make way towards it. When the Apostle Paul came near the end of his life, and you can read it in his letter uh, to Timothy, he came to the end of his life, and he said something interesting. He says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
You know, he was conscious of where he was in the whole scope of God's calling. He was conscious and aware of, of what God called him to do and how close he was to the very end. And he, he was able to declare, man, I finished the race God has given me. I have kept the faith. Before Jesus died on the cross, he said something very similar. He says, it is finished, referring to the work God had given him to do. It is finished. If you were here Friday night, you uh, heard a wonderful message Sister Linda shared on uh, our theme scripture for the year in Colossians chapter 4. She, she looked at, she's preached on the whole chapter, you know, the entire chapter, chapter 4. But it shows a series of people, and, and Paul is congratulating all of these people, 10 of them, uh, by, you know, what they did, what they accomplished, how they're fulfilling God's purpose how they were working hard and, and serving through trials and difficulties. And he lists all of these people by name. And then he gets to the very last person. And he says to Archippus, you know, hey, guy, you know, finish the work that God has given you to do. He, he starts by saying, see to it that you finish. Make it something, make it a, a, a desire of yours. And, and this is the call that we have. This is what I believe God wants us to do. You also have been called by God to serve him in some way. We as a church, and, and, and anything that the church may lack in terms of ministry, anything that the church may lack in terms of resources or our impact in the city is because people must complete the work God has started in you. Everything is here, everything we need to be uh, successful as a church, as, uh, to be all that God wants us to be, is right here, sitting here in these seats. You have been called to serve God in some way, whether it's just as a mother or a father. That's not an insignificant thing. You'll be a mother or a father your whole life. You know, even though your kids may live with you for a certain period of time, or they may be lifelong uh, you know, members of your household, Whatever the circumstances, whatever you've been called to do, find out how God wants you to be that person, whatever it may be, right? A witness on your job, right? When you think about it, whatever it is, everything we do, uh, even the small temporary things have a lasting impact on our lives and probably an impact on the lives of other people. So right here in verses 10, 7 through 10 in, in the book of Exodus chapter 3, God made it very clear to Moses what he was called to do. There was no question about his purpose. God made it very clear to confront Pharaoh and to deliver the people of God. God had great plans for Israel, the nation. And so he calls Moses to be a part of that. He calls Moses to, to join him in his plan to deliver. And it seems as though God is out of the picture. He says, you know, this is what I want to do for Israel. This is what I want to do to deliver them, to break the strength of Egypt. Now you go and take care of it. And it's almost as if God steps out of the picture and he's calling Moses for something great. Whenever he describes Israel, he describes him with beautiful language as his bride. Uh, as his chosen people, the apple of his eye. Loving language, metaphors that describe affection and love. And when things got tough for Israel, it was God who made a way for them to move into Egypt in the first place. When there was a famine throughout all the rest of the world, it was in Egypt that they were able to find sustenance, food to live by, 
In fact, God had placed one of his own children there as one of the leaders in, in, in Egypt so that when the rest of the uh, Israelites came, there was a place for them. God, God was concerned about Israel. God was, he loved Israel. And so he made a way for them to move into to Egypt. But after years in Egypt, they be, eventually became slaves. They were hated and mistreated, abused. What started out as a good thing turned out to be a prison for them, a hindrance for them. And so God decided to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And this is the moment he's calling Moses to join him in this effort to lead the entire nation out of this place of slavery into a promised land. But we can never, whether it's Israel or, or myself or you, we can never arrive at the place where God wants us to be if we're still in bondage. This is the problem. Paul said it best in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, that a man is a slave to whatever masters him. He is a slave to whatever controls him. Even if you have great intentions and, and a good heart and a good desire, if something controls you, you are a slave to whatever it is that controls you. So having heard the cry of his people, he sends Moses to set them free because he has better plans for them. But it didn't come easily. Even though it was God's will for them to live in the promised land and to live in a land flowing with milk and honey, sometimes the slave master refuses to let go. And if you've ever read this story before, or if you've ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, the old classic uh, Ten Commandments movie, then you kind of know how the story goes. You know what happens in the story. God sends a series of miracles. He enables Moses to perform these miracles before Pharaoh and before Egypt. And his goal was to convince them to completely break his will, to, to, to shatter the strength of, of, the, of the slave master so that God's people can go. Not just that he would agree with God, but to totally break his power so that God's people can leave completely unhindered, to set them free completely. That was God's plan. That was God's purpose. Because the only way the enemy would ever release the captives is if his power was completely broken. Nothing left. Nothing, no urges, no temptation, nothing pursuing, no thoughts that, that wrestle, you know, in, that we wrestle with in our minds, you know, that the enemy is still present, reminding us, whispering. He had to completely shatter Egypt in order for them to be free. So God empowered Moses to make his staff become a snake. If you remember the, the story, and, and it did, his staff became a snake, but that didn't work. And then God empowered empowered Moses to send a plague of blood. And there was blood everywhere. All the water, blood. You get a glass of water to drink it and it looked like water. As soon as you start drinking it, it turned into blood. Can you imagine that? Blood everywhere, but that didn't work. He sent a plague of frogs, piojos, you know. Uh, he killed the livestock, inflicted them with boils, destroyed the land with hail. Locusts, he sent locusts. He even covered the land with thick darkness. And the Bible describes that darkness as so thick that you can feel it. It was so dark in midday that if you go outside, you could feel the darkness like you feel the wind. Thick darkness. But it didn't work. 
in spite of everything, Pharaoh refused to loosen his grip. So eventually, God had to take his firstborn son. And the loss of Pharaoh's son seemed to be the final blow. It, it broke him down. It, it brought him to his knees. And, and, and from that broken place, Pharaoh said, okay, you know what? You guys go. go. Go ahead and worship God in the desert. Go ahead and go. Just leave. In fact, he ordered them to give them whatever they, they wanted, whatever they asked for. Give them gold, whatever. Just get, just, you guys just go. And they were able to leave the city. But as soon as they left, Pharaoh sent his entire army to pursue them in the desert, to kill them. He's relentless. He's, he is obstinate. He is, he is a, a picture, a symbol of, of the enemy, not just then, but today. He doesn't let go easily. He doesn't just release God's people easily in spite of what God commands, in defiance to what God commands. If you were to read Exodus 14, 28, the Bible says that God caused the Red Sea to open up and allow the Israelites to walk through. But as soon as the Egyptian army entered in, God allowed the waters to crash down over the top of them. And not one of them, the Bible says, not one of them survived. This is a story about the call of God. When God calls a man or a woman, there is never an automatic guarantee that Pharaoh will loosen his grip on you. When God calls a man or a woman, he calls them out of something. Out of something. The, the, the word for church is a word that reminds us that we're called out of something. The, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, ek, meaning out of. Out of the world, out of your old life, out of whatever it is you've come out of, God has called you out and into something new. You are no longer a part of whatever it was. And, some, and in some cases, whatever it was, it has a grip. It has a, a lasting grip on us that it doesn't want to release us. This is a picture of what it's like to be called out, to be set free, to be delivered. Deliverance is a word that describes the state that we're in, but it may not be the reality that we have to fight through because the enemy does not want to let us go. Plague after plague, confrontation after confrontation. You might have had to face repeated battles. You yourself, repeated battles in order to make it to the place God has promised you. Just to live at peace with your family, with your wife, your husband, with your, your children. Fighting temptation, fighting the lies that keep creeping up. Poverty, sickness, whatever it may be. Because it does not release when it's commanded to release. In this story, Pharaoh represents more than just a man. He's a symbol of the enemy, your enemy, my enemy. He's a symbol of the enemy, a symbol of oppression, an obstacle that tries to keep you from moving forward, that tries to keep us, our church, from moving forward, a grip 
that says, you know what, I will not let go. And plague after plague, when it seems like, man, the locusts, oh, that's going to work. The frogs, oh, that's going to work. Oh, the darkness, oh, that'll, for sure that'll work. Piojos all over, people scratching and, and, and all messed up. That's going to work. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. God had to totally destroy the army, the strength of the enemy, the army. He had to destroy the strength of Egypt in order for the people to be set free. This is a symbol of oppression, an obstacle that tries to keep you from moving forward. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's poverty. Sometimes it's persecution of some sort. It's addiction of some sort. It could be old friends or depression or lust or pride or alcohol or drugs that refuses to let go even at the command of God to let go. This is Pharaoh. Let my people go. Who, who sent you? God sent me. These are his people and his command is to let them go. Right? And plague after plague, strike after strike, Confrontation after confrontation, he refused the order, the command of God. This is heavy. This is, this is a huge theological uh, conversation. This is, this is uh, you know, uh, this is deep, man. This is pretty heavy. When God, when he created the world, some, some say he confronted darkness then. When he confronted the world and, and, and the world was full of darkness and formless and empty, he had to speak into it. He had to speak to make it right, to make the light come on, to, to cause the waters to stop flowing everywhere, to, to bring peace where there was chaos. And thank God that in this planet, it's the only planet that has that kind of peace. Every other planet is full of chaos. All, you know, either too hot, too frozen cold, dark, you know, whatever the issue may be. He confronted something here to make it livable, to make it a promised land for you. And still we have trouble. Still we have earthquakes and tornado, natural evil that destroy the good plans that God has for people. This is a reality about the enemy and his relentless grip upon those that God has called out of the world, who has been set free so whatever it may be, anything, it, it, this represents anything that ignores God's call for you to leave Egypt. Whatever your Egypt may have been, it clings to us. It tries to convince us that we still live there. And you don't. You don't live there anymore. You've been set free. You're not a slave anymore. Amen. We've been set free by God following God out of that place of Egypt, out of that place of bondage. We're walking with him, but there's that reminder. There is the pursuit of the chariots and the horses behind us, trying to remind us that we're still what we used to be. And in spite of the fact that God says otherwise, Pharaoh is relentless, rigid, unyielding. And I find this so, so amazing that even with repeated blows, he never gives up. Not until the very end. Until God has destroyed him and throws him into the lake of fire. Here, God had to destroy Pharaoh's strength by destroying his army. And when God destroyed the Egyptian army, instantly the whole world changed for Israel. 
When you read the story uh, it, there in the book of, of Exodus, they were, they were slaves, they were, they were under the power of Israel, but as soon as the Egyptian army was destroyed, then they went along taking land, and wherever they stepped became theirs, and they confronted cities, walled cities, and they'd shout, and the walls would fall down. Why didn't that happen back in Egypt? Well, he had to destroy the enemy. And when he destroys the enemy, he empowers the people to move forward into the place that he's called them to be. This is what God has called for you, to, to, to be set free, to be completely delivered from whatever it is that had its grip on us. This is what it's like to be called by God. This is what it's like to have a greater purpose. Instantly, things change around us when we recognize that I have a purpose, a calling. God has called me to something. Too many people have lived their life in the grip of Pharaoh for too long, a, a reminder of their brokenness. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke the powers of the enemy for good, yes. right? They are broken for good. It is the same thing. It is, it is a, 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 a repeated version of what God did to Pharaoh. When he died on the cross, man, he broke the powers of darkness permanently. So the first step for us, realizing what God has done, and he's at work in you, and he's at work around you to perfect the man or the woman that he's called you to be, the first step is for us to realize that you have been called to be free, to be free. And so this year, every month, I want to think about what step do we need to take to finish the work? And the first step is to be free. And that's what I want to think about this month. What does it mean to be free? To be free means to be free of being tangled up in the stuff that we were tangled up in. To, to be free means to detach ourselves from those nagging hindrances that seem to follow us in life. Those things, those repeated mistakes, the, the things that always seem to be there, always seem to, to not only get us all detangled and uh, are, are all tangled up and, and all, uh, uh, you know, confused and, and uh, you know, limited and, uh, you know, breaking our concentration, keeping us from fulfilling our will. All of those little things that remind us of, of how uh, broken and weak we might be. God wants to detach us from those kinds of things. To be free means for God to eliminate, to eradicate it means to stop making excuses or to stop blaming other people for why we're not being fully who God has called us to be. Standing up, living out your life. The devil refuses to allow you to reflect the glory of God. He once reflected God's glory. He was once in a place where he reflected the beauty of God. And when he fell, he wants to make sure that you don't reflect the beauty of God. So he refuses to release you to become the person you were meant to be. He refuses to allow you to shine and be beautiful. Man, this morning Eileen read a beautiful scripture back in the back before we prayed about how everything in nature gives praise to God. Everything from the rain that falls on the earth, the grass, the trees, the fruit on the trees. These are all of the ways that creation is glorifying God. God wants you to glorify him, but the enemy doesn't want to let you go. He doesn't want to loosen his grip. So God had to break his strength. 
He had to destroy the army. And without an army, there's no strength to pursue you anymore. Think of what that means to the crack addict. Think of what that means to the alcoholic, that there is no more anything, there's nothing that pursues you. Nothing that pursues you. The thoughts are gone, man. The, the temptation is gone. God has set you free to be the person you are called to be. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to dodge and hide anymore. He has broken the will of the enemy. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God's will does not always come automatically. There's resistance. Can you believe that? That there is resistance to the will of God? That there is opposition to the will of God? God could have easily erased the devil. He could have eliminated the problem. But God prefers to use men and women who have been tempered by hardship, who have come out of things, who have been strengthened by the struggle to survive, men and women who's had to fight to stay alive. He wants to use you and me. Can you imagine if all of us were 100% in the center of what God wants us to do, all of us firing at, at, at full capacity, what would it look like? What would our church look like? What would our, our fellowships be like? What would our events be like? If all of us were at 100%, right? Some of us, man, we charge our phones, man. We, oh, man, I got 30%, man. I got to charge this thing up. 70%, we can't even live with 80%, man. We've charged that thing up. We can keep it plugged in. God wants you to be plugged in at 100% all the time so that you're firing on all cylinders, do, making the most of what God has called you to be. Don't let yourself run empty. God has a plan for you. Moses wasn't supposed to have been born in his time. He was under an injunction of death. He, was, he, was, he, he survived the hardship of a government that tried to kill him as a baby. He survived. And now it's time to stand up and face that same government that had it in for him to realize his purpose, to come out from hesitancy and indecision and uncertainty and fear. It's time for you to do something, Moses. Confront the evil that tried to stop your life, that tried to slow you down. And God empowered that from the infant, the weak infant, whose life was, was there, he was in that little papyrus basket floating on the Nile, vulnerable from that vulnerable place to confront the power of the enemy, to confront Egypt. God has destroyed the strength of your enemy this morning. He cannot pursue you any longer, right? So if, if, if you feel that feeling, it's a lie. If you think those things, if you think it's pursuing, it's a lie. It's been destroyed. If you feel as though the grip is on you, something's pulling you back to be that person, keeping you from being fully committed to God, it's a lie because Jesus destroyed the strength of the enemy. He's shattered the grip of the enemy. Be free from the things that entangle you. Be free. Don't let anything slow you down. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 28 or 29, 18. It tells us this, that without a vision, people perish. And without a revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, what that's saying is that unless God has given us a glimpse of our destiny, 
a glimpse, an idea of where it is he wants us to go, we'll end up going in circles. We'll end up searching and seeking, uh, always getting close, but never arriving at the place God has for us. But when you know where you're going, when you know that you've been called, and you know where you're going, then you know how to get there. If you know where you're going, you can begin to walk. You can be assured that God is going to be with you every step of the way. There is nothing, nothing that hinders us. Nothing except the lies of the enemy. An enemy whose power has been completely shattered. An enemy whose power has been broken. But if he can convince you that the chariots are still pursuing you, if he can convince you that the horses and the riders are still there, still right there on your heels, right there about to capture you, if he can convince you of that, he can stop you from all that God has for you. But I'm here to let you know this morning that the power of the enemy is broken. This is why God is able to call Moses to go back and to confront Pharaoh. This is why God's called you to do great things, the great things that he's called you to do. He's called you to do those things because you're able. You're able to do those things. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you if you bow your heads with me and close your eyes. This morning, I don't know what it is that God has called you to. But what I do know is that unless we have been set free, unless we are free from the past, past life, those things that hang us up, those things that trip us up, those repeated, hindering, annoying things that, that, that cause us to, to, that upsets us and it slows us down, that creates risk, regret, those hindering, repeated little things that stop us, that draw us into a place we shouldn't be, those things that stop us from thinking of ourselves as men and women of God, unless those things are broken, unless those things, unless we're delivered, we can't fully realize what it is God wants for us. Somehow this morning, Father God, our prayer is that you would speak. Our prayer is that you would move, Father God, the same way you did for Israel when they were in Egypt. Right there in the heart of evil, Lord God, you came and you delivered your people. And not only did you deliver them from the place, but you delivered them from the strength of the army. You, you changed them from vulnerable, susceptible, to overcomers. Father God, and I pray that what this symbolizes so many years ago, let there be the reality of this truth in the lives of your people this morning, today. Confront the Pharaoh of drug addiction. Confront the Pharaoh of laziness. Confront the Pharaoh that refuses to let people go from being caught up in nonsense and nothingness, from being caught up in, in anger, lust. Lord God, whatever the circumstances may be, break the grip of the enemy so that your people can come out and to serve you, to see what it is you have for them, to fully walk in the place of promise. I pray, Lord God, for deliverance. I pray for freedom 
because it is for freedom that you set us free. This is our prayer this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And this morning, if somehow if the Lord has spoken to you, I'm going to open the altars. Perhaps this morning, as you hear these words, as you read these words, you see God's purpose and plan, that God has called you to something. You may not know what it is. You may not have an idea of what it is God wants to do in your life. But you know that it's more than what you've become this morning. God is saying that there is more. There is more. Come out from that place. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And God desires to do a work in your life. This morning is a start of a new direction, a new calling, a new purpose for you. Let God be who he wants to be in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.